I judge a cat by its soul. My name is Matthew Kroll. And cats are not dogs. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film I I, I mean I've been yammering about for for weeks now, even though it hasn't really been out for one of those weeks. Cats. <laughs> it's so funny that last week on our Star Wars Return of the uh, Skywalker episode, I railed against like going to see movies with little to no value. Yet we are here we are uh, going wow. to see Rotten Tomatoes seventeen percenter. Uh, cats. Wow. Uh, no, but actually, slowly you know, climbing. Slowly is it climbing? No, slowly. it is not. It started at four. It started at four percent. Then it was thirteen, and now you're telling me it's seventeen. So look, things are looking up. Things are looking up. Everything is turning up. Pause up for cats. Uh, this is going to be also. A... It's oh, sorry. Go it's ahead. It's the rise of Sky. It's the rise of Skywalker. It's not the the return of Skywalker. <laughs> the return of the rise of the Skywalker. Um, and this is going to be uh, an interesting episode because we are not in the same location, are we, Mr. Crawl? No, no, sir. You are in my apartment. Uh, I am in my childhood bedroom. Oh, wow. Uh, this is like a, a big situation where, uh, except it's also a body swap <laughs> scenario because I'm sitting in your seat. Uh, and I, I, it's, it's weird because I didn't realize, you know, like obviously this is, uh, not pejorative, but, but you are shorter than me. And so I'm sitting in your seat and things are a little bit different. Everything feels a bit weird to me. Your yeah, I mean the, that makes total sense. Uh, the, the, what you you had to adjust all my settings. You had to plug in your laptop into my what's supposed to be a one plug and done thing, but I know it's not. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you figured out all of my tech riddles, and here we are. Hopefully, everybody, you don't uh, hate us for the sound quality. We're trying to get this out to you in a timely manner because we know you want them hot cats takes. Hot take um, cats. Hot cat takes. Hot take cats. Oh god, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm actually looking forward to this because there is nothing. Quite quite like cats at the movies right now. No. Um, and if you have seen cats or uh, have some hot takes on cats, please email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod as people have been giving us very nice Christmas messages uh, over the last few days, which has been lovely to yes. see and to hear. Uh, thank you to sweet. all of our listeners, uh, um, especially especially those who took the time to avoid your families and listen to us instead during the Christmas break. Uh, we greatly appreciate the, the commitment to our nonsense. Uh, 100%. And also, we'll be getting back to more regularly read emails once we're sort of through the next couple episodes, just because, you know, we had travel, we're trying to get these things at least out, and, and you know, when we have to boil these episodes down, it's it's about the film we're watching. Uh, but we will, we will, we, we enjoy uh, so much chatting with you and, and responding to your queries and accusations uh, <laughs> that I really, uh, that's my favorite part. Uh, so I'm looking forward to doing that as well. All right. So, uh, Matt, you were uh, incredibly excited for this film, uh, dying to talk about it at every turn. Before yes. we get to the movie, have <laughs> you seen Cats the Musical on Broadway? Yes. You have? Uh, and, fun fact, not a fan. Really? Uh, yeah. So, this is why my journey with this movie, or at least leading up to this movie, is so strange. Okay. Uh, Jamie, uh, my wonderful better half, took me to go see Cats the Musical. She got free tickets on one of the one of the Broadway raffles. Okay. Um, and uh, we went, and it was definitely fun. Like, I enjoy going to the theater. I like musicals. Um, but Cats, as, as I mean, everyone knows this who's seen the play even before the, the film, uh, is incredibly nonsensical. Right. And uh, plot is nearly, it's next to nothing, right? Like, so, so um, when I went, 
uh, and we experienced this, I, I was able to compartmentalize a couple things. Um, the, the, the commitment and the dancing uh, and the singing were fantastic right. uh, at the Broadway show. The set design was nuts. It looked so cool to see. Basically, they did a trick with scale um, where they made the set look like a junkyard, but every piece of junk was the proper size as if the humans were cats, right? Like, it's, it's, just a, it's a simple trick of scale, but it, it, it was incredibly effective. Okay. Um, but I, when we left the theater... Uh, Jamie and I were on the subway. We were discussing it. And uh, this was the first time. This was fairly early in our relationship. I think six or seven months maybe. And this was the first time we got into an argument. Whoa. Okay. Hit about me. cats. So so uh, Grizabella, uh, yep. played by Jennifer Hudson in this film. Yeah. Um, the glamour cat. The glamour cat, the fallen, the cat who's fallen from grace. Yeah. Um. I in the in the film, I mean, in the sorry, in the in the Broadway play, I never felt like because there's no plot, we don't build anything, we don't find out anything. I never felt like any compassion or like, and not, what's the word I'm looking for? I never like got the emotional resonance of her journey. Yeah. And I felt like that was kind of the crux of it. Everything else is sort of like, um, you know, just going over cat names and what they do, uh, <laughs> which is fun, but like. I, I, we, we got, I actually, to be honest, I'm blanking on what the actual argument was now, but it was about the idea of d- do characters need distinct reasonings for redemption or is redemption enough? Huh. Um, and uh, I, I, my point, I believe, was that I always like it when a character has a point of redemption, like, like there's at least somewhat of a, a basic plot point, not just like y- everyone hates you, now you're redeemed. And Jamie's point was redemption's more powerful even when it means sort of nothing and so I, I think and I might be you know th- th- she can correct me on that when I'm wrong about it later but um so 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 I have this weird sort of <laughs> aftertaste of cats <laughs> having the first argument with my significant other about um th- the meaningfulness of Grisabella's journey in the story of cats and hard air quotes story of cats okay um so yeah that was my sort of history she here have you have you seen I have never seen cats. Uh, I love cats, the species. Uh, sure. I grew up Who with doesn't? cats, the species. You, I know you. You do too. Uh, Zoe's sitting. Zoe is sitting uh, three paces from me. So I would have loved for yeah. Zoe to have reviewed this film. By the way, just uh, in she's like sleeping. in nonsensical, me- uh, nonsensical meowing. Um, <laughs> I would have. I think that would have been a great episode unto itself. But no, uh, I, I have not seen cats at all. Um, I've always. You know, I guess as far it, – it's funny because since I moved to New York, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I could go see all these amazing Broadway shows. I could go see all these amazing plays, and I never do. Um, right. I've seen the Book of Mormon, and that's about it. Uh, no, I, I, I also that, yeah. saw Avenue Q. Um, so the, I, I went for, like, the real tourist trap uh, kind of musicals. Um, although Cats Well, Cats is, was in the 80s and 90s, right? Or the I forget when it came out, but, like, yeah, that was the tourist trap. Cats was – the Cats toured. Cats like, toured. Now, you got to remember the history of Cats. Cats opened in 1981 in the West End in London. It's based mm-hmm. on um, a, T- a book of T.S. Eliot poems called Old Possum's uh, Guides for Cats, I believe it's called. Yep. Uh, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats, uh, which Andrew Lloyd Webber adapted into uh, a play, uh, or into a musical, and Andrew Lloyd Webber being sort of the grand, uh, the, the liberatius figure of the musical theater. Um, and And... I think, in my estimation, my reading of it, it was kind of a surprise that this that this was such a huge hit because to date, Cats the Musical uh, has generated approximately two billion dollars worth of profit. 
um, and is the third or fourth highest running musical of all time. Yeah. Uh, yep. It is the fourth highest musical of all time, uh, preceded by The Lion King, The Phantom of the Opera, and Wicked. Um, and so, and, and it's funny, the number five is the previous adaptation that Tom Hooper had directed, which was Les Miserables. Um, and I, I think, <laughs> in my estimation of this movie, there is an audience, obviously, with those numbers that love the 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 exercise of cats. I don't want to call it the narrative of cats, the story of cats, uh -huh. the musical of cats. They love whatever it is cats is, and, and there is certainly an audience for it. Um, I'm not exactly sure I would have been that audience if I'd just gone to the musical. I think I would have been uh, alongside with you, being like, "What is it this that I'm watching?" Um, <laughs> but 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 I, I I wonder if you know the other thing about Cats the musical versus Cats the movie is that there mm -hmm. is a sort of energy to being in the room with people performing this, um, and there's an energy to seeing yes. the sort of um, and to kind of experiencing it as a sort of interpretive dance, you know, because the cat movements are similar in the in the musical that they are in the movie, right? And they literally come into the audience. Yeah, like... they come into the audience. So <laughs> it's kind of an, in, it's a much more interactive, enjoyable experience. So whatever your qualms yeah, yeah. about the sort of narrative of the whole thing or whatever it is that is happening in the actual, um, in the actual uh, <laughs> staging of the event, there is something sort of, an energy to being amongst live performers uh, uh, doing this doing this show. Sure, um, which dressed I think as cats dressed which, as lycra cats. Yeah, exactly. And you know, like without digital fur technology, having to you know <laughs> create a leap of imagination. Um, uh -huh. So I I think there is certainly an audience for this film. I am not that audience, and I wonder if. Um, uh, had I seen this as a musical, I might have enjoyed it slightly more. But this is a, this uh, this film in particular is a really interesting example of the distinction in mediums um, and mm. what what mediums how mediums transforms uh, an experience. Because I think you know, as I said j just before, I think this as a live theater performance could work. And I could see, even though it was a surprise, even though it's been running for so long, even though for people in musical theater it's a surprise, and even derided for a lot of people, you know, like it, it, for, as yeah. far as musical theater goes, this is not like the high watermark of great musical. Um, but but no. I can certainly sort of now having experienced it in one form, um, see that there is some value to this or some uh, perceptible value uh, in a different medium than the one I saw it in. Uh, because <laughs> I gotta say, uh, just coming off first impressions, my, my, I, I, you know, given all that backstory that I just kind of gave you and the, the fact that this thing has made so much mm -hmm. money and, and, you know, I can certainly see why there was a rallying cry at some point from some producers, from some studios, from Tom Hooper, to transform Cats the Musical into a movie experience, like it, it you know the 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 thing that's the that's been floating around the critical circles on the internet is why does this exist? Like who ever thought this was going to make money? And I disagree with that. I was like, this thing has made two billion dollars already. Um, who wouldn't think this was going to make money? The issue here is the cardinal sin that I think that this film commits, um, that is unique to the medium of film. <laughs> Is it is uh -huh. deathly boring. Uh, it is really, really dull to watch. It is not exciting. Uh, it is not even in a sort of psychedelic wow, look at this world kind of thing. Um, my yeah, yeah, yeah. impression of it 
was so dull uh, and, and unaffected by the wowzers of look at these cats, look at this world, look at this dance, look at the listen to these songs. None of that had any play for me. Um, and to me, that's the cardinal sin. It's not. It's not the sort of existential uh, crisis of this film, which is like, why does it exist? Um, it's more that it exists and it's boring. See, the interesting thing, and we will get to we will get to that sort of bit because uh, I, I feel similar ways in, in certain in certain aspects of what you just said. Uh, but the the this whole this whole thing where that the the film talking about reviewing discussing media uh, is going through right now with cats. <clears throat> is just like you like what you said this existential crisis of like how could this exist yeah. which i just disagree with as well like yeah. like what you said from a financial standpoint yep y- y- this makes sense that they were going to make it at some point um but from the other side of it, it where this film falls narratively and and um um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, sort of like keeping your attention and enjoyment in the moment. Where it falls, it fal- falters in those in those angles. I find like this weird sort of sense of hope and fascination with the fact that it actually exists. Not like a dread, or not like like where have we got like ev- you know what I've seen a lot of, and yeah. this is from reviewers I dislike, reviewers I like. Um, you know, uh, this is sort of a review of a review or a review of a review style. Yeah, nine times out of ten, if it's a YouTube, uh, you know, uh, film review of cats. It starts with the reviewer dumbfounded looking at camera for 15 seconds in silence. Yeah. And I'm like, person on the internet, this isn't that complicated. Like, I I, I get that it's very popular to shit on cats. And believe me, we're going to shit on some aspects of cats. Yeah. <laughs> but, but there's nothing here that is challenging. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's acting like I don't I I don't understand and and the the things that I don't understand about this film I honestly think are the things that actually kind of endear me to whatever can of old tuna this thing actually exists in <laughs> it's it's weird it the, the relationship I have with this thing and I, sort of first thoughts and then I'd love to read the IMDb description um this film is a, 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 a boring mess. Like, and you're seeing fantastical things. Your your brain is realizing you're seeing fantastical things, um, and we'll get into the effects work and all that jazz. But you are never enchanted, with maybe the exception of Jennifer Hudson singing. But that's her singing, and not yeah. <laughs> not not the spectacle that you are seeing. Um, I couldn't and, quite uh, get through her uh, his snotty nose, to be honest with you. I was, just, I was like, there was something I, about her snotty nose and and cat fur that just was like, I don't know. I wonder comfortable if, about this. I know. Well, I wonder if tears, and I know some cats did cry a little bit, but I wonder if tears were just really bad looking and they couldn't get like they couldn't make her look sad enough, so they just snotted her. I have no idea. <laughs> um, but but yeah, but but this is the strangest thing about it. I'm going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out by the end of this podcast. Okay. Why am I still thinking about and wanting to talk so much about cats? Well, like I, okay, like again, we talked about Star Wars last week. Yeah. Um, I, I and maybe it's from the discourse online of the opinions of the you know Star Wars as a whole that I'm just sort of over. But like uh, it, this, at least, is something that is new and doesn't fully work yeah. um 
And it's something that's also kind of fits into a weird category, right? Because we talk about like, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> we, we talk about films that like we're like, oh, like we, we you mentioned this a lot, how like these large super movies, Star Wars, you know, Marvel stuff, etc., kind of drowned out the idea of any sort of like other type of movie. And granted, Cats is not an independent film by any means of the imagination. It's a hundred million dollar behemoth yeah. that hopefully will make its money back in some sort of cult classic Blu-ray streaming sort of way. Yeah. Um, but um but like at least someone's like okay avengers okay star wars <laughs> let's let's you want you want to see weird you want to see money thrown at something let's do some <laughs> yeah i i actually have to completely agree with you there which is that i appreciated the big swing that's being taken here and i mean obviously tom hooper uh, is a director who's had success it, with musicals. He is, you know, as far as prestige filmmakers goes, you mm -hmm. can't really get much more. And, and, in, and in a way, uh, I guess maybe somewhat of the way that that term is used in a sort of negative way. But, you know, Tom Hooper is a reliable prestige filmmaker. He has a Best Picture win and Best Director you know, win under his belt. Um, yeah. He is known for, you know, he the previous film he did before this was Les Miserables. Um, so he's known for doing that kind of movie. And Cats is beloved. Um, so there's an element of both uh, equal parts uh, there is a risk involved in doing this, and equal parts, this is a surefire thing because there's a there's a guaranteed audience for this. And uh -huh. unfortunately, you know, like uh, unfortunately, that audience has not turned out for this film at this no. point. Uh, it is tracking at Box Office Mojo uh, with an opening of six million dollars against a ninety five million dollar budget. Um, which is a very, very low number. Um, I, I, mm. One of the things that we talked about, I think, many years ago, or maybe a year ago or so, was the value of <laughs> negative reviews uh, and the value of bad reviews. Um, right, right, right. You know, and, and in terms of like being able to see things that don't necessarily meet our expectations and trying to figure out whether the defiance of our expectations is, has some value or whether we can uh, ascertain something from seeing movies that don't quite live up to the way we think a movie should live up. Or maybe do in certain yeah. other ways. Now, I think, you know, the the issue that, w that we have with reviewers online or reviewers, uh, in, even in the written press, you know, coming across this thing dumbfounded as to what, what is this and why does it exist, I think those same reviewers would actually have the same issue with Cats the Musical uh, on Broadway if they were tasked with the with the with the um, task of having to write about that, um, yeah. but what negates it is that they're in a different medium that they may not be as familiar with and can for not only forgive but can understand its point of view from a medium. Um, you know, like the musical theater. You know, musical theater with cats coming out in the audience is an entirely different experience than um, than what you're seeing on screen here. And in fact, one of the I, things I was hoping for uh, that didn't quite happen when I went to see this movie was I was hoping for an experience more akin to uh, what it's like to go see The Room in New York City when, you know, Tommy mm. Wiseau's film, when audiences come out and they interact with the screen and they, you know, they respond to things. You know, my, one of the things that I was sort of excited about was, and I, and I tweeted ask, asking, a question if there were screenings like this for cats was you know are there screenings in new york city where people are dressing up as cats and you know running around during the screening or singing along with it um and and the, i i have a sneaking suspicion that while this film is not for me at this point or you know like i i am not enjoying this film um 
I have a sneaking suspicion if an audience can sort of rally around this film to create audience, you know, to create that sort of almost hybrid theatrical experience that you get with the room, that mm. this film will find an audience and it might actually take on an entirely new life that is really great. Well, yeah, I mean, and it's actually, I mean, we haven't even gotten into the non-plot yet of Cats, but what you've just described is kind of the plot of Cats. Right. Like, it's a thing that, you know, is completely nonsensical and no one understands and and and, and swung for the fences and missed and then is redeemed, right? Like, yeah. so, I, it, it would be great if that's the case because, again, I am, I, I, again, I've never been dumbfounded by the look of this film i've never been flabbergasted or, or just you know with my jaw agape at like how you know how could this possibly exist i've just been more from the moment i saw it and i found out it was coming out in the same day as star wars i was like oh no this is my movie like yeah. uh, this is just something different like i, I never got the like it's it's interesting and you look i'll never what people find horrific uh is an individual experience but like uh, even when when um, <laughs> when the Sonic trailer came out and the first design of Sonic, yeah. uh, it, I guess it's it's also sort of like trying to have poetic and flashy language to make you know your tweets and things sort of uh, resonate more. But like people just like calling it the most terrifying abomination they've ever seen, and I'm like, no, it's just a bad CG character. Like you know, I, I don't know. And and the same thing with cats. People were talking about this weird like esoteric fear of the of the visual design of this thing and i never understood that uh i just thought it was something different and weird uh and it was both of those things it it, it, it certainly like i and and that's the thing is like i avoided the trailers but i kind of the to me one of the perfect translations of cats the musical the broadway show in odd scenes is the trailer because i think i think the the other issue here is the runtime, and it's not that yeah. uh, you know. Look, look I you know I, we, I made a rallying call for the Irishman to you know a, as a perfect length film. I'm I'm okay with OJ Made in America being as long as it is. I'm really yeah. excited for the new ten part uh, thirty for thirty about the Chicago Bulls coming up, <laughs> uh, which is ten hours. You know, <laughs> is that a film? Is it, that a film? Here, it is. I, I think it's going to be an, a cinematic experience. Regardless, okay. <laughs> two hours of what I had seen was one and a half hours too long. Um, you know, I think I, would... I, I think 30 minutes of this, I think, is is like, it could be spellbinding. Um, I think a trailer of this could be really like, whoa, what is that? But at two hours, uh, uh, and, and being what it is as a musical, which is that it has very little narrative, it is generally uh, a series of songs where cats are just describing who they are. Um, and, and, you know, there's some, there is a sort of small fabric of a narrative that's kind of woven through some of those songs, but this is also not a film where cats speak, for example, they, they, you know, there are small, maybe like 10 to 15 lines of dialogue in this whole thing, but generally people, the narrative is, is, is given to us through song. Um, right. and so I, I, for me, you know, one or two of those might be interesting, um, 10 to 15 of those, which is what we got, uh, really, uh, <laughs> you know, like made me sink in my chair. If, if yeah. you're thinking about where the horror was for me, it's not in the, it's not in the look of the cats, although I think they're sort of odd looking. Uh, it's not in the set design, which I think is, you know, kind of weird and unusual, but not, the problem is, is that it, to me, it doesn't go far enough. And yeah. then the, and then yep. the, the, the third part is that it's the, it's the repetition of songs that are purely just, 
um, just just telling us who they are without the kind of enchantment of the song or the performance, the dance itself. Like I think, to me, the the show, the the best mu- the best dance performance in this is Shimbleshanks, uh, the the tap dancing cat. Um, oh, the railway cat. Yeah, the yeah. railway. He's my least favorite. Oh, he's he's you know like it's nonsense, but as like as far as like a choreographed sort of Busby Berkeley esque musical number goes, that's the one that kind of gets the closest to like being delightful to watch but it comes way too late in the movie by that point i had really checked out um yeah, and it also it also um <laughs> it also like has one of the coolest like sort of like long silhouette shots of them all dancing on a rail on a railway yeah. like with london in the background i thought was very pretty yeah. um but there's definitely not enough of things like that yeah and uh uh jason derulo's cat well what was it the uh oh uh, rum tum tugger yeah. yeah uh so rum tum tugger is supposed to be like he's the in the musical anyway he's like and again this is a different time it was written uh where i think elvis and those of that sort of ilk had more of a of a sway oh i think i think think it's late disco he's late disco right he well he's not not necessarily what he's supposed to be is like the the ladies man cat and the performer the star cat the 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 one with total um basically you know everyone's talking about how horny these cats look i never really got that super oh, vibe of this oh, of this movie i but, lent, but I, lent, I i took Shivali to this and i leant over at some point i was like these cats are going to fuck aren't they like at some well, point I these lo- cats are going to fuck it just it seems like they were just looking they were just sort of acting like cats sort of act but like when humans do it it comes across a little bit that way yeah. but what Rumtum Tugger is supposed to be the like the sexual energy cat he's supposed to be the one that like brings that and he's it's supposed to be like him being the only one like that's his sort of like that's his thing but he's everyone the- <laughs> everyone's into it and there is like that scene where he's like dancing on the stage and all the female cats are like at his feet Kind of like yes. looking up adoringly at him, and and like there's a moment where he was gonna suck some feet, right? Like she, she, I think, isn't it? Uh, oh no, co- he was singing into her foot like a microphone. I don't uh. understand why that happened, uh, <laughs> but but I think it's because our main cat Victoria, uh, uh, Francesca How uh, Hayward, Hayward, which yeah. I was very I was very impressed with um, overall, to be honest. Um, but the the. Uh, yeah, she was singing into her foot because I think she's she's a very um a very accomplished uh, ballet she's, dancer. She's a ballet dancer, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so that was a move that was probably relatively easy to do. Maybe ad lib, who knows? Um, <laughs> but he was he was looking at that foot like this is this is my jam right here. This is uh, all my dreams have come true. Um, and I was I was like, oh, this is this the scene where they're all gonna fuck? Is this is this what's gonna happen? Um, I just see, and I, I didn't get like I, I got the whole look was very cat like, and I I I never I don't know, man. There's I, an, I, even even in, in Taylor Swift's number with the catnip, I was like, this is gonna break into an orgy at some point. It really oh, yeah, feels she drugs like. Him. Yeah, it really feels like this is all gonna like and cats fuck, you know? Like I know I know you just say that just like, when humans do it, it looks like we're we're horny, but cats fuck. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. What I'm saying is the it, it it did come across as sort of that way, but I never took it. I, I it's that weird. Uh, how do we put it? Like it, we're anthropomorphizing uh, animal behavior, which yeah. uh, one distinct animal behavior is is wanting to fuck. Yeah. So it's like the. It, 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 I get where the where the weirdity came across, and I, I I love how that was sort of just a latching point. Everyone just like <laughs> jumped on when seeing this movie. Yeah. Um, but real quick, let me before I continue on, let let me just say what IMDb says Cats is about. Okay. Because I think this is the most plot we're going to get. 
Yeah. Um, a tribe of cats called the Jellicles must decide yearly which one will ascend to the heavy side layer and come back to a new Jellicle life. So a ritual sacrifice is going to happen. Well, kind of. I mean, I think it, it, it's. I mean, people have tried to explain what the end of this is and the heavy side layer and all that jazz in cats for a very long time. I just sort of took it as sort of like a good and honorable death. Yeah. Um, but one uh, that is, which, one that is uh, uh, propagated by the cats around you. I mean, kind or like that, or at least it's like, like a Viking like, funeral, and, right? Like, except you're not dead; you're just sent out onto well, the onto kind the barge. Of, no, but I think that's actually accurate. But like, if you think about the concept of like a Viking funeral, that the whole thing is like because you are worthy of that, because you you're, you're being honored, and the the point of death in cats might not be that clear. Yeah. But um, I always sort of liked this aspect of of cats. They were literally just singing to see who could, you know, move on to whatever the next life is. I would have um, I would have loved for one of the cats to go. By the way, you know we don't have nine lives, right? This is just to kill off the tribe and to save us some food. And like, well, like you uh, know, like, I would have loved if, if I, I know the musical doesn't do that, but I was just like the whole time in the back of my mind, I was going, "This is ritual sacrifice," and like yeah. they all believe fundamentally that they have nine lives, which is this, just this, you know, which is a human attribute that we've we've provided to cats. Um, some real, and, some real midsummer shit going on right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> this cats in midsummer has a lot of similarities. <laughs> <laughs> but okay so so we could we could come at the rest of cats in a couple different ways before we get uh, what i would like to do by the end of this because you are 100 percent correct here the movie is too long yeah. therefore i don't want to harp on certain things of the movie but something i'd love to do after we talk about some of the more uh what i consider uh, interesting aspects of this for instance some of the technical stuff that's going on with the film um how this film was made and recorded and uh, and all that jazz i would love if we could individually, and I'll list them out so you don't even have to remember, Shahir, mm -hmm. because all this movie is is a list of cats singing about themselves trying to be honor to be worthy enough to die a good death. Right, yeah. <laughs> I would love to, before we, before we say our end thing about this movie, I would love to review every cat's performance. <laughs> okay, I have, I have a couple other things I want to talk about uh, as well. well but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But let's, That's let's... how I want to end it. Okay. Oh, you want to you end with the reviews of the each of I each want to end with the reviews of each of the cat's performances. Okay. But we, we have a ton of stuff to talk about beforehand. I just wanted to kind of preface with, that's where I want this to end up. <laughs> so, uh, I, and I'm happy to do that because you will need to remind me of what the performances were. That's fair. Uh, that's um, fair. The thing, I, you know, in terms of this sort of existential question of, uh, you know, meta-existential question, about why does this film exist and what sort of you know and and that sort of the blank stare of what is it that I am watching thing you right. know is I think I think people are forgetting um, films like the Rocky Horror Picture Show and what it must have been like to watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show in a theater or um, or even Tommy you know we were talking about Ken Russell um, a couple oh, yeah. years ago thinking about like. Tommy or uh, or Brian De Palma's Phantom of the Paradise, you know, like there there are there is certainly um, precedent for this type of thing. The the film that I've always wanted to watch and never have uh, is Xanadu because there is there, uh, the Electric Light <laughs> Orchestra. There's one uh, Xanadu track that that is like a, a a marching drum beat that I absolutely love, and I've always wanted to watch it in context. And then you know, even thinking about Busby Berkeley um, as well. There's an interview uh, I believe in Vulture with Bill J uh, Ibery did for. Or, um, of Tom Hooper, and he talks about like you know what what have you to say? What have you got to say for yourself uh, about this film? And you know Tom Hooper kind of rightly just sort of says, "Look, I love the musical, and I wanted to translate it." I think the issue that has 
sort of confounded people is that this is a direct translation of the musical. There is no sort of adaptation it's, going on to sort of convert it's this. It's not, though. Yeah. Well, well it, the, the, there are... There are the, there's changs. There are, and, there and are changes. And they're not all... Yeah, but 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 the exper- the experiential part of this is still sure yes sure, you, you yeah, know yeah. you know like singing dancing cats you know like there there are slight narrative tweaks like Fran- uh, Francesca Haywood's character uh, I believe is silent throughout the entire film and McCavity is silent and um, you know you mean the play yeah in the play but but not in, you know like they 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 take on new life here sometimes uh, and then like uh, Victoria now has a new song which I believe was written by Taylor Swift right. Um, who is so. uh, you know who is an avowed cat lover herself? So I can like I, I there is no denying that you know I still firmly believe while I really thoroughly did not enjoy this and I and I thoroughly did not enjoy this because I think of the theater experience, which is that you know in my theater there were six people, three couples, uh, and two of them left uh, within the first twenty minutes. Um, and so, you know, it was basically <laughs> us and another couple. I was like, if this was a full house theater with, um, with, with people, uh, you know, singing along to the song, standing up and dancing, which is how I've seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is how I've seen um, The Room, I think this film would find, would, would, would like hit a perfect sweet spot. Um, but there was just one other side of this that I think is, you know, like it is the sin that this film commits, which is the boredom factor. And and I thought a lot about from a practical, you know, uh, filmmaking point of view, which I think the thing that you want to get into here, um, which is uh, something that I, I, get, I haven't seen any writing about this, but and this is just something I think about a little bit. Um, but it's the sort of translation that happens when you go from the conceptual to the specific. Um, mm. And I think in every process, every time a film is made, uh, you have to sort of take this journey where uh, you, you look at what the idea is conceptually, and then you have to drill down to the specific. Because when you're actually shooting it, you know, like the, the the job of the director is to like navigate the specific to make sure it ties into the conceptual. And so what I mean by that is like literally as a director, you have to like think about well, okay how am I going to frame this particular shot and what is going to happen at the start and end of this particular shot? And then think about something through a lens, like literally and figuratively, that's your job as a director. And that is the specific that you have to drill down into. Uh, And then that specific gets even more, you know, like, uh, you know, it's like, what is this costume that this person is, is doing? How do they walk from this point to this point? You know, how many steps does it take them? Do they dance across? Do they tap dance across? Do they sing? Do they run? Do they, you know, do they open the door? Do they, leave the door open behind them you know like it, you really have to like get specific and this is a film where i was like really thinking about how difficult it was to connect the specific mm. to the conceptual because there there's like you know complicated numbers that happen in this film there you know and the one the the, the perform the, the one i'm really thinking about is rebel wilson's um performance which gets into the sort of more surreal cockroach and rat dance kind of thing and I was really thinking about mm. like the introduction of the mice and the rats, and it was like, this is a you mean the well, yeah the what, mice and the cockroaches the mice and the cockroaches and, and the whole sort of like song and dance number that happens around that, and I was like, this is really specific. We're getting into we're getting down into like we we've we've sort of inceptioned ourselves from like one big outdoor world into an interior room and then into <laughs> like the room that she has created for her. You know, like she is putting on a, a performance with other actors now. It's like there's a sort of meta quality to it. 
But the con- and like a real director, she eats them alive. She eats them alive. The camera flips upside down. We see their will, and he drops them into their mouth. Um, and <laughs> but this is like this is a real situation where I was like, I could not for the life of me connect the specific that was happening here to the conceptual about what this film was and what this film was trying to do. Um, It it was a real, like, there was a real sort of abject disconnect for me because I was like, no, they've really gone to town to make this thing. And they've really, like, put a lot of thought into this whole world. But I couldn't for the life of me figure out what this world was trying to do. So do you think do you think that's where the boredom came from for you? I have a very specific way that I think the boredom came from for me, but do you think it's the actual directing or or sort of you couldn't see where like the point of every shot or every sort of scene was or like where where do you think it comes from? Yeah, it's 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 that thing that um you know, uh we talked about The Devils uh a few years ago, Ken Russell's film. Yes. And I think yep. The Devils is a big sort of macabre dance, you know, like it's it's huge and it's weird and but at the center of it there's a real specific idea about the hypocrisy of religion and every mm. scene kind of like eventually you know gets you to that point uh and and in this i couldn't figure out what you know because there's a monologuing at the end by uh old deuteronomy uh played by james duty De- uh, judy dench and dame I, judy dench james, say that again. <laughs> did i say james duty Duty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you should correct me on that it is dame judy Dench. <laughs> no, you can't do it I you can't. can't do it dame judy dench it's like i've got cotton balls in my mouth uh or, yeah. or catnip um <laughs> but but you know she she has this monologue at the end of this thing uh which which i think has to do with just like Oh, and by the way, these are what cats do. And I was like, "Wait a minute, what is? Th- are we talking about here?" Because, because uh, like you know, my wife does, be- doesn't love cats. She she's like kind of scared of cats. And she was like, "Yeah, cats are terrifying." And this movie proved it to me. Well, <laughs> and I was I, like, I, "Here's the thing." While I do think that every musical number in this movie goes on 30 seconds too long, right? Um, which, which leads to uh, a, lo- a lot of extra, like, like you said, you wish it was a half hour. I wished it was an hour and a half. Right. Um, the, the end with Judy Dench, I thought, like, I loved the camera spike. I loved talking to the audience because that's what they do in, in the play. And I thought that was actually effective in the play. And it would have been effective here if they knew when to cut it. Like, it felt like the, it just kept going. Like, I was like, oh, and that is Cats. And, oh, you're still you're still telling me about Cats. You're still, okay, th- this is the final point of cat. Nope, we're going again. Okay, <laughs> like there was a lot of just like I was like, I get it, I get it. Repeat, repros, uh, etc. But um, I, I could also see that mo- moment working in a play, like in a musical, right? Like I, well, I, I think that's what you're talking about too, right? Like it's it's the lens when you're making a film out of another thing. It's putting that through the proper lens to make it as effective a pos- as possible in the medium you are presenting it in. In this case, cinema. So like you should be able to take that moment. There's plenty of t- effective moments in cinema that the character looks at the camera and speaks to the audience. Goodfellas, it's just thinking of, off the top of my head. Goodfellas, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, so, for instance, that's easily, not easily done, but doable. Yeah. So there's no reason why you couldn't adjust the source material's length or, or content or something to make that last moment highly effective. Right. And they just didn't. What they did here was, was translate... Um, and I, I, I'm not an expert on cats. I saw it once on Broadway, uh, Broadway. Um, but the the it it felt like they just took most of the songs whole hog and like just let them go the length that they would go without thinking how that experience would affect the viewer 
of a film as opposed to a live performance over and over and over again. Because no matter how interesting or if you have a favorite cat or like a, a favorite dance number, it does when you're just having a list of things described to you. I don't care how interesting those things are. I don't care if they're your most fantastic favorite things on the planet. If there's not something else emotionally uh, gripping about what's going on, aka I don't know, live dance or a cat leaping across your chair in a in a in a, in a theater theater, um, you're not going to resonate with it. And <clears throat> so I thought that was one of the major problems for me with sort of the boredom. But there was a, there was another one too, and it's one that I haven't heard anybody talking about yet. And I know this is starting to sound like my usual mo but I, I i can normally i'm like oh i don't know why this is i know why what i'm about to say doesn't work okay the individual editing like the shot to shot edits right. in this film are atrocious <laughs> um and and they are my number one reason why i think people myself included felt incredibly bored because what we are seeing and granted look it's the 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 style of the cats is something you've probably never seen before the 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 cg backgrounds cuz it's all shot on a sound stage um you know they look cool but not quite cool enough not quite trippy enough to really like engage with you that much and and i think they tried to get around that with sort of a a a, a fast paced edit Right. Um, but the problem, in my opinion, and I watched this, you could have had, and this could be, we'll get into how the music was recorded and why it didn't didn't work too, but it it literally cuts on every beat of a song, and it's just like a fucking metronome, and I could not believe, I was like, it's not really doing this. I was like, okay, maybe just for this song. Right. And then every song cut at the end of a line of a, of a song and, and to a new shot, and I was like, oh. This is literally training you to be bored. Well, like, well, it re- I, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I know what you're saying, but I, I, I think that's the, not the only problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I'm not just the saying only. that's the one. That's the one I think that is at the core of everything. Because everything else, like you said, you hear, it just doesn't elevate it to a, a big enough level to sort of like we're in that middle point, right? We're in that middle point of like, okay, this is either going to be really really bad or so fucking batshit that you're like whoa this is bad but i love it yeah like and and i think the 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 core of it for me was the the incessant repetition and timing of actually the way this film is cut shot to shot yeah and I, that might be also that sort of specific to conceptual kind of thing that i was talking about where it's like it's, yeah you, you're sort of wondering how this is all going to build up to something and it doesn't really build to anything. Um, yeah. To me, the other issue is, is like if we think about Tom Hooper and, and the success, I mean, the, the moderate success of Les Miserables uh, and even the success of uh, The King's Speech is that, you know, like he has a visual language that he is developing all unto himself, which is inherited from Kubrick. It even feels a little bit like... Um, um, Inaritu in a way, you know, like he's he, his sort of mo is to use wide angle lenses as close ups, yep. Um, yep. and it's got this sort of uh, weird look which makes the, everything feel a little bit distorted around the edges. But at the center of it, you've still got this like close up of this face that that you know should be holding your attention. And I right. now, I have to admit I didn't see Les Misérables, um, but I liked I you know like conceptually I was like the idea that the singers are singing live, you know, the actors are performing live on stage, uh, live on set. Um, instead of a pre-recording, I think that was like an interesting idea. I wanted to, I was curious to see how that plays out, and know how that affects your viewing experience. Um, in in this case, you know, like I think he he swung the pendulum, you know, hard, you know, 
hard the other way and went full like let's reprocess all of this. Everything, oh no 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 no! Everything that's I'm not re- what happened. Well, no, but the digital fur, for example, and even oh, the, sure. the the body performances, um, you know, get entirely reprocessed. There are points at which you know bodies are entirely you know CG, and it's it's disarming. And yes. what 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 happens there is I think that you get a you get a loss of the sense of the physical. Uh, ex- uh, the physical excitement that we should be feeling by seeing these people do this thing, the the sort of um, the the interpretive dance, you know, like I I I, I have seen a, a fair amount of interpretive dance and interpretive, you know, like while I'm not a fan of musical theater, interpretive dance is something I am a fan of. Um, mm. You know, like if you watch like uh, I think it was uh, Vim Vinder's film about Pina Bausch, um, you know, it, it, what she does physically through dance is breathtaking and you watch it and you kind of go, Oh my God, I can't believe, um, even if it's, if even if it's a simple move, it's like, I can't believe this person has done that. Um, and, and there's something about this, which where the CGI completely deadens that effect entirely. Like there is no, there is no wonder to the, to the, to the sort of movements that they've created. Like I know all these actors went through like cat school or whatever, you know, like to learn how to like move like a cat, but it's entirely like negated by their, uh, by the CGI-ness of it all. And, and CGI has that quality, which it just, it, it, it um, listens the marquee appeal of what you're watching because you kind of go, well, a computer can do this. And yeah. with enough iterations, a computer can make this sort of look like what it does. Whereas and that's we, what, yeah, oh, it, you know, when, it, when, a, when a human being does it, you're like, wow, it took a human being a lot of effort to kind of do that and make it look as simple as it did. So I exactly, and the the fact that it did go a little bit back and forth between a full CG character and then a mocap. Not, not they didn't use mocap on this, but like a, a tracked new skin onto an actor yeah. made even those moments where it is an actor doing a fantastic thing. Your brain says. Oh well, that movement is CG, even if it's not. Yeah. Because you've been shown it, and it's like it's sort of blending in the backwards way. I think that they wanted it to. Yeah. Um. And and but so, so something along those lines, when you were talking about sort of uh, singing on set, like for Les Mis, and they did that here too. They did it without a click track, and they and they they um every every line of of of, of that is sung in this film is sung in the moment you are seeing the actor sing it. Right. Okay. Okay. Now now I. And, and and for me, and we'll talk about this a little bit. I thought the mix of this um, yeah. of this film, and it could have been my theater, but it was trash. And the reason it was trash, from what I understand, and please write us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail dot com if you know more about this than I do. You probably do. But the the the, the, the when you record that way, there's very minimal bits because they're playing the music on set. And they can only tweak it so much, and because it, you know, if, even if you lay the track over it again, it's going to sound slightly echoey, or some some like reverberation will happen. So this is the the actors singing the song when when you see their face, even though it is CGI'd underneath a cat suit. Right. That is their performance of them singing what we are hearing. I thought the vocals sounded great. I was so just pissed off that the music itself, the instrumentals sounded so fucking flat and i get why they did it from a process perspective because if you're going to see if you're going to cg a full new skin onto an actor right you want at least the audience to be to to find anchor points to them as a human being as much as possible and no no imagine if this was lip sunk along with all this other shit like 
you would it would it would it would be it would be mind breaking like you wouldn't even be able to connect the little bits that you do and so i get from a technical aspect why they wanted like the face you are seeing whether it's cg'd onto a uh, new body whether the the skin is put over the actor you can at least connect with the micro movements of a mouth and eyes as someone sings a song I yeah. think that's why Grizabella's Jennifer Hudson's track actually was moving to me because, like, I'm seeing Jennifer Hudson's face singing the actual song. Right. But in doing <laughs> so, you sacrifice the ability to make the the film feel lively, and for everything that's going on, this this wannabe psychedelic landscape, it never felt lively to me. There's like 30 cat people jumping around and flipping and, and doing stuff. The only thing that felt lively to me remotely was um, um, Mumbo Jerry and Rumble Teaser that was, and the cat that was, burglary. Yeah, that was the one that actually felt like... But again, I wasn't really... Uh, I didn't have quite enough context of what was happening to like really <laughs> engage with it, but I was like, "This, this is the world." Because the one that was disappointing for me was Jason Derulo as Rum Tum Tugger. Yeah. Yep. I was like, "Oh, he is the rock star. They bought a rock, you know, they bought like uh, a rock star essentially to come out and do this performance." Yep. And and it it really you're like, "What is happening?" See, you know, you like, know what why I think is this not cool? I think it's not cool because Rum Tum Tugger is supposed to be a rock star, yeah. and Jason Derulo is a pop star and an R&B star, no question, but it is a different vibe. No, but and but, but but essentially, though, it is like, it's the, it doesn't matter what genre, it's like, he's the big star, and like, he can dance, and he can sing, and you know, like, he, he can give a big performance, you know, that's what he does on stage. And none of that translates into this. All right, that's fair. I think I just wanted more of a rock star. I think I, I it, my rum tum tugger in my head, it was more is... six. It's like it feels more like a kiss performance, maybe. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Rum tum tugger is a is a cooler version of Gene Simmons. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it it doesn't it doesn't land, and I don't. Uh, I I was really like. I and I you know for me that's where the boredom started sitting in was that none mm. of these performances really like landed like I think James Corden's number um is it Bumbleshanks or something or whatever his name is um <laughs> the, the, the No, the, I, I James Corden uh yeah no, Buster Buster for Jones Buster for yeah. Jones yeah is uh is, yep. is such a sort of uneven uninteresting performance and it goes to a lot of places like you know physically they move through a lot of different stages for him um yeah. and it was like oh i'm not you know like i'm not feeling this one one other thing i kind of just wanted to touch on because i i'm not entirely sure how i feel about this um uh, at all but um i i i wondered about the kind of both the 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 racial coding of cats in this in this performance, like okay. like the, there was a sense that like you know like uh, was it Gr Grismelda? Is that her name? Gr 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 Grisabella. Grisabella is this um, kind of uh, uh, ostracized cat that has gone in with McCavity, and I wasn't certain what had happened to her. That's um, because that's not actually in the music. I don't I like I get that they were trying to give a little more context, but from my understanding from the musical, and again, people can correct me, but Grisabella is just someone who thought that she was like she was the 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 glamour cat and yeah. uh was like just acted like so above everybody else and was so like um, you know, uh, like letting fame get to your head. When right. the fame went away, and she became sort of nothing, the other cat shunned her because of how she acted. Here, they just have a throwaway line of like, oh, she went with McCavity. And you're like, 
uh, okay, why are they never together? Why yeah. is now Taylor Swift with Idris Elba? Like, yeah, what yeah, is because what? everyone went with McCavity, right? Like M- Mungo Jumbo or whatever the name is. They M- were with McCavity. Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser. Whatever. They were with McCavity as well. Oh wait, no, they weren't. Were they? Yeah, because they, I guess they, they kind of were. Yeah, because they no. were like, yeah, they were spraying catnip, and even I think Taylor Swift's character says everyone that you thought you know was in on this is actually in on this. Um, oh, you know, maybe they're like side hench people. Yeah, hench side cats. Hench people. So I wasn't clear, but there was a racial coding to all of that. That you know, like that kind of you know, like Jason Derulo's character is the one that comes out and does the big song and dance number for everyone's performance. McCavity is kind of the uh, the big bad of this whole thing. You know, up against uh, the the sort of whiteness of everyone else. You know, even the main cat, uh, Francesco Haywood, who is Kenyan, I believe, uh, by descent. Yes. Um, but you know, like, is a very white cat in this. Well, film. that character was yeah, but you could easily change it. It's a cat's fur color. But, yeah, but there was, I get there, you was there, there was a sort of like uneasiness that I had with the sort of racial coding of everything huh. in this. Um, I I wasn't you know like again I'm not like it, it's not out and out you know, uh, um, racially profiled or anything like that. Sure. But I was sort of curious about how that played. The second one was that, um, you know, a few months ago, James Corden, um, you know, was uh, was fat shamed by uh, Bill Mayer on uh, the Bill Mayer show. And Corden kind of came out and did uh, a sort of a, a long monologue about what fat shaming does to a person and what it means. And, and, you know, I, I thought it was a very admirable stance that he took, and it was really sure. uh, really interesting. And then the, the song and dance number that he is tasked with here is to come out and say, I am a very fat cat, you know? Like, and, uh, I'm, you know and, and I was like, oh, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, that was weird. That, that's interesting. The, the, that, that, that is the, the sort of body coding that we're doing here. And, you know, Rebel Wilson's character also has that sort of similar, you know, Gumby cat. You know, it, 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 there, I was sort of very curious by... The, the translation from performer to what, because ostensibly the cats represent something. And, and, and it was like, I was, I was just, I was uneasy by it, but I was like curious how other people read it more than anything, because it didn't, it didn't read to me as profoundly off base, but it was like, it was interesting the way that these things were being played. Sure, and as far as the let, let's talk about um, Rebel Wilson and uh, James Corden in this because I 100% agree with you. Like this film came or this play was written in '81, and the book I don't even know is it's older than that, obviously of, of the poems. There's a lot of stuff that like just doesn't quite work in 2019. Yeah, um, I mean, and they changed some of it, and I'm not in, entirely. Um, uh, up on this, but Growl Tiger, the, the pirate cat who's like keeping him on the barge, was yeah. is like not a pirate cat. McCavity doesn't steal everybody in the play, by the way. Yeah. McCavity just takes um, old Deuteronomy. Oh, really? Um, but yeah. and has McCavity uh, got magic powers? Well, in this, this he does. Yeah, uh, with with a effect from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> circa nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, uh, of him disappearing and reappearing. Um, but he doesn't like. I I kind of liked the the attempt. Sorry, I'm getting off track of what I wanted to say. McCavity, played by Idris Elba, when he first of all, when he's like got his coat and his hat on, yeah. looks fucking awesome. Right. Like I. But think he's, he's but he's the- also coded as Harlem gangster. Sure, right? but I don't. I mean, but the aesthetic of what he—I'm saying what he looks like. Yeah, I was. I was like, I was on board for that aesthetic. Idris is a beautiful human being, you know. Like, yeah, yeah he looks good in anything. Yeah. So, so, and then when they sort of switch it around to like, oh, he's like stealing people to be the only cat to then ascend. Like that. That's 
okay, I, I, a nice sort of addition of a plot point. But they, they changed a lot. Like, like, for instance, I think um, Growl Tiger was supposed to be coded as, as a different race, and I'm trying to remember what it was, like, but like over the top. Um, and he, so they, they, he's they like got rid of that. He's like a gangster, and he's played by Ray now, Winstone, you know, like, right, who but is now, like... <laughs> Yeah, but now, no, I think, I, I want to say, I, I, I don't remember if it's an Asian uh, thing, or I, I don't remember, someone else can, can let us know. But so they changed some stuff, right? Right. I don't understand. I mean, I get that the whole joke of um, of uh, Buster for Jones is that he's a fat cat. And look, there's it, this is where we have to go from human to to <laughs> animal to whatever because you know, yes, fat shaming a human being is a hundred percent a dick move, and I prefer my media to not have things sort of like that in it. Um, but people uh, talk about fat cats in multiple things yeah. all the time. So, like, it's a, it's a vernacular thing. So, like, we're getting, because it's a human-cat hybrid put together in a fucking computer, we're getting into this weird, like, what's okay and what's not okay. Well, and I think um, I think it's because there's there's very little to latch onto narrative-wise. So what you're right. sort of, the, the, one of the things that you do when you watch this film is go, oh, who's that famous person? You know, like, it, there is a sort of yeah. uh, a laundry list of very famous people, recognizable faces that are in this film. And you're, they're, because they're, they're given very little to do narrative-wise, um, their, their fame and what they're known for is the thing we latch onto, you know, outside of the movie. So Jennifer yeah. Hudson, we know, is an incredible performer, and she's going to get the showstopper. She's going to get memories. Uh, mm-hmm. Ian McKellen is an incredible stage performer, and he is, you know, he is Asparagus, the stage cat. Um, no, Gus, well, yeah, Asparagus. Gus, yeah, the theater cat, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. You know, like Idris Elba... Uh, is a badass, I guess. Yeah. Uh, in in real, you know, like you know, he is Stringer Bell, and he sort of has that sort of gangster presence here. Uh, Rebel Wilson is the sort of goofy, um, goofy house cat. You know, like there the the correlation between the performer and their their cat, um, <laughs> their cat version yeah. is not is, is sort of far more one to one than you would expect. Uh, uh, any movie to do. And then so, you know, like just thinking about that sort of fat shaming thing that happened to James Corden and him talking about it and then right. coming on to do this film. Well, you you could you could read it, though, real quick. You could, you could. read it as, now that I'm thinking of it, as sort of just like owning a thing because, for instance, while I, I, I want to get into sort of those two's performances and their place in the movie because I think it's a different discussion, but James Corden... Um, like for the jokes when he's fat and the song is all about how he's fat he's never like sad that he's fat he's he's never actually shamed for being fat i think in the film right. he's just gives people shit for like not knowing that they need three cats to lift him and right. like yeah. so like he's taking it from maybe a power stance like maybe that's maybe it's not actually maybe we're coding it as shaming because of what you just sort of said all of the real life stuff but yeah. in the in the plot he made it more of a sort of like yeah this is who i am fuck off sort, yeah. of, sort of thing that's fair um, i i think that's a that's a a fair reading of the uh yeah. a fair interpretation but it was it was certainly on my mind as I was yeah. watching it. It was like how to read um, the the distinction between the performer and the and their cat counterpart. Because right. you know, now, like now, Taylor Swift is not a, a screen presence as far you know. Like has she been in many movies other than this? Uh, not to my knowledge. No, yeah, I mean so, she might have done a cameo here and there. Yeah. So so to bring her on, she is coming on as Taylor Swift. You know, like dressed up as a cat. Jason yeah. Derulo, uh, Derulo, I, 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 I'm not certain he's done a lot of movies, but you know, it, he's coming on to be Jason Derulo. Jennifer Hudson is coming on to be Jennifer Hudson. Ian McKellen is coming on to be Ian McKellen. 
Dame Judy Dench is coming on to be Dame yeah. Judy Dench, you know, as cats. Um, so there's a real like one to one coding that I think is sort of interesting about this. Now, also going back to Rebel Wilson and James Corden, uh, they're the worst part of this movie, and it's huh. not their songs. Their songs yeah. are fine. Uh, the I understand they're trying to, and it's not. It's on, It's honestly not even their fault mm-hmm. that they're the worst part of this movie. They are presented to us as the worst part of this movie because they're the sort of comic relief, I guess. Yeah, and their comic relief moments don't even feel like common relief moments they feel like other films intercut with this film like the 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 tone of everything that they do when the music stops and there's a silly moment with them being silly and doing their regular shtick does not fit at all it doesn't it doesn't land either it's not no it's not funny so so that those were the moments that really like those were like those were those were true cinema breaking moments for me was whenever they were not singing and on screen doing something i was like well who do you think is the like the the standout performer who other than jennifer hudson yeah i mean uh, well you know what okay this is gonna i'm gonna go from two different sides of this okay um i think uh from a Keeping me interested in a stock audience cipher character, Francesca uh, Hayward, with the movement that she does and her actual facial expressions, I was like linked. Like uh, I was in it for her sort of experiencing this thing. And even the way that she looked at everything and sort of like a hope and wondery kind of thing, like kind of every once in a while knocked me back into that sense of, of being until the film itself knocked me back out again. <laughs> so I do want to give her props. I also kind of want to give a weird unsung, literally an unsung uh, hero shout out to uh, to Monkustrap, who was played by Robbie Fairchild. He was kind of the the, the first cat. Yeah, he's the he's the kind of the, na- well, not the narrator, but he's explaining everything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he more than most in this movie transformed into a cat maybe right. that also comes with me not being as familiar with his work as everybody else so i'm not seeing taylor swift's face on a cat right um but i was like he was selling me hard on everything that was going on more than everything going on was selling me right <laughs> so those were sort of my two favorites obviously and i think i'm a i'm a i'm a i'm a swifty i guess you'd say yeah. uh i think taylor swift was dope in this movie i liked it once she got off the little moon i was glad that she wasn't just sitting on that paper moon the entire time she actually like got out and did stuff at least for a little bit till she didn't <laughs> i think i think she she brings it but i'm not sure if what it was was kind of uh <laughs> was was feared and you know that, that, that's the same with jason Durillo. i think jason Durillo is like really selling it up there but it's not it's not translating back to the audience yeah. for me you know like there's right there's sort of a a, a disconnect about about it uh in there because like you you get the sense that because you know the question that's being asked like like is why did these people do this movie and and i think the thing is is that you know in the in the most optimistic version of how this all plays out this is the sleeper theater going experience of the you know to to round out the decade it is like it right. is the movie that you take your parents to and you come out singing and a dancing um I mean, that's know, what they want yeah that's what they want and and i think you know like for every performer it's like i want to be part of that and it's from the director of les mis and the king's speech so you know and and it's a two billion dollar property um but it it comes out more like um 
a microwave dinner plate that like you, you're looking at the picture going, <laughs> this is what I think it could be. And then you look at it and it's this sort of sad mush and you're like, but you'll still eat it hoping that it'll kind of be okay. And parts of it are like sustaining, but on the, on the whole, you're like, why did I do this? Um, it's, it's a real strange beast, but I, I really think that, that it's not camp. Um, or, no, you know, like it, that's the thing. It's, it's missing the sort of like, um, the extravagance of something truly camp and, and flamboyant and big and, you know, like, and, and ridiculous and zany, like, you know, like Tommy, uh, like even uh, a film I saw, uh, uh, on an airplane this year, Climax, Gaspar Noé's film, which has this sort of like mm. larger than life quality to it where you're kind of just dazzled by the whole thing. Sure. Um, this is kind of missing. It, to me, it doesn't go far enough, and that's the problem. Right. Uh, it's too long and doesn't go far enough. Listen, listen. For a film whose characters are based on things that always land on their feet, <laughs> this thing has multiple options to land in a certain way and always lands on its back. Yeah. <laughs> like. It's it's it it was so odd to me. And but but again, Shahir, it's so fucking weird. All I want to do is talk about cats. No, We've been and going yeah, for I, an I'm, hour. I'm and, glad. and I have more to say. And and there's something and I, there's an effect. There's some sort of thing because it is so weird and because it doesn't work uh and but like it has like shining moments of like every once in a while something might connect to somebody. Like there's there it makes it so much more interesting to me than a ton of other stuff out right now. I 100% agree, and I and I love the big swing. You know, like I'm all about the big swing, and this is this is for all intensive purposes a big swing. There are you know mitigating factors that make this like a surefire bit, and that the, those bit that bit hasn't played out at this point. But I'm all about this. You know, like I did want to see it. I did want to go see what people were talking about, and I yeah. want I I you know like. The, the conversation around this could be a little bit kinder, I think. Um, I, I agree. You know, like I think it, a lot of it's like this, like, shock for shock's sake for it. Yeah. And, you know, we're seeing some of that, too. I, I think big m- cultural movies, even ones that don't land like Cats, yeah. I think uh, we're seeing more and more the discourse around it is just becoming toxic and not talking about like the film itself but just your your initial emotional reaction to it and if it's not big no one's gonna listen to it and it's just like yeah and it's it's not warranting of that because the because again to me the cardinal sin is not is that it's not big enough and it's boring um you know (laughs) like that's that's the cardinal sin not that they swung for the fences on it and not that they did this really strange you know, like human cat CGI hybrid with like the biggest stars on the planet. That was a big yeah. swing kind of t- you know ticket item. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's that it doesn't go far enough with those big ticket items. And I and I uh, and you know I, I I wish that it had. But on the but at the same token, I'm I'm glad for the big swing. And I think it's it's sort of I, I really do want to go to a screening of this where it's with people who fully embrace the madness on screen and like enhance it by by you know like 
throwing cat litter at the screen or you know like <laughs> or or talking back or 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 doing a chorus line or dancing or performing with it you know like who who just truly, chugging milk yeah who yeah like yeah going to the alamo draft house and being given milk that you have to lap up like and do your best sir ian mckellen lapping when sir ian mckellen was lapping milk at the at, on yeah. the i was like Wow, that yeah, and he truly... meows. He meows more than any other person cat in this in this movie. And I mean, I'm like, fuck yeah, Ian McKellen. Yeah, like from a narrative point of view, it. his story makes no sense. But 99 percent of this thing makes no sense. Yeah. Um, and, well, and it, I, th- I would yeah. argue his his story makes as much sense as everything else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Nothing makes sense. And this is a a a a. a, a a ritual sacrifice of another cat that is meant to be joyous, and you know, like we are, we are. You can have a good death, Shahir. We a are, good death is possible. We are standing at the precipice of the volcano, hoping that we can join along at the singing and dancing of the said cat into the volcano, and uh, <laughs> instead we're looking around, confused, like uh, like characters in Midsummer, going, "Wait, are they really going to do this?" Um, and you know, that's a it's a it's a very curious, um, a curious Ooh. case. Well, can we talk about the other um, sort of uh, feline uh, hiding in the corners? Um, and that is a, a weird thing that's happened a week after this film was released. Ah, um, yes. Much like video games, uh, films can apparently now get patches. Um, there were some unfinished <laughs> and shots. Uh, my, my and cat cats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there were some unfinished shots. Um, in in the film where you could see some more some more than normal human hands or some of the faces didn't feel quite anchored onto the bodies, especially in the beginning of the film. Um, and you could sort of tell that they weren't quite finished. They were slipped through. And to fix that, um, they theaters were told, because most films are delivered digitally now, that they were going to be getting a week one patch to fix all of the problems. Well, and this she is here. also this is also a byproduct of the fact that they were doing the CGI, uh, the visual effects, right up until the release. Yes, yes. Um, how do you feel about um, about this this precedent that it has now uh, been been put out there that a film can be changed after it hits theaters? Well, I mean, it, while it's while it's still in theaters, do you know what I mean? Well, I think if uh, George Lucas had had this technology uh, oh back in God. the day, that you know, this is exactly what you would see. You'd see the uh, the George Lucas cut, you know, the the new versions like immediately patched on on Star Wars as as it's released. Um, I think uh, on the one hand, I am excited by the idea that technology has transformed so much that the that the the time de- delay between finishing a film and releasing a film can be so short. You know, mm-hmm. because before, if you think about what used to happen is that a film would have to be finished in time in order to strike the prints and have them delivered to all the theaters. And, you know, that could be a month-long process or whatever, uh, and you're doing it across the entire globe. So... Uh, on I wonder, you know, like the thing that about that that excites me is the sort of like the technological um, trickle down for smaller films, you know, like where you can be working on to uh, 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 on a film right up until the release date and then press a button and it's distributed everywhere. Um, I, I I wonder if that's going to be the case. The other side of this is that um, Cats is now has still been officially allowed to enter its late the newer version, the second version that came out. Um, into the running for the VFX uh, Academy Awards, um, 
which is which is fascinating because uh, there's a few films that haven't been nominated for for the uh, Academy or haven't been put onto that shortlist, but Cat sort of seems to be given a number of passes because it's a universal picture or because you know it's mm. it's it's a big talking point. So there's two sides to this coin. I'm excited by the fact that you can do this from a technological point of view. I think it's uh, really fascinating. I think in the hands of um, uh, unscrupulous filmmakers, it would mean that we push VFX artists beyond a reasonable schedule, which means that people are working much, much later on things than they should be. And, and, already, that, yeah. Yeah, and already VFX work is a grind um, that is becoming sub, you know, creating subhuman lifestyles for a lot of people. Um, and so I think that's problematic. But I, but I, you know, like technology is always moving in the direction of shortening time spans. Um, yeah, and and I that's think, what's going to happen, though, yeah, right? Yeah. Like it, it's it's. I'm more worried about VFX artists. Even with this announcement, I initially first this year we're two sort of like and it, VFX artists have been getting the short end of the stick for a long period of time. Yeah. Um. But the 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 Sonic redo. Yep. Um. And then the the closure of that studio that redid Sonic. Imagine uh, if imagine if uh, if the release date between the trailer and the film was so short that they had to redo Sonic. In a week one patch, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. like that, so that's like, a much more dramatic ex- uh, version of what we're talking about. You're actively hurting people in that scenario, and and I don't know what the working conditions were for the people that were working on Catch and the VFX team, um, but I guarantee you, if they released the version of the film with unfinished shots because they had this release date, then the producers are at fault for not having an, an accurate depiction of when things could get done by. Yeah. And then people, you know, shit rolls downhill, as they say in our beloved industry. Uh, <laughs> shout out to uh, <laughs> James Cohan for teaching me that lesson. Right. Um, and he, like, so so the people that made the poor decision to try to release this, which I think, A, just from outside of how it hurts people and, and whatever, I love that this was released on the same day as Star Wars. I loved seeing them both in the same day. It was an experience I don't think I'll ever have again in my entire life. No. And then, um, but 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 beyond that, beyond my own little selfish like, yay, um, y- you know, you need to understand when making a thing how to not damage the people that are helping you make it. Uh-huh. And I feel like these, the, the the ability to then patch and do this other stuff. I mean, we've seen it in the games industry all over the place, uh, like release dates and 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 crunch time and like all this stuff. It's it's only going to hurt the people making the stuff you like, right. and that has me incredibly worried. That now, especially because it's been very public, now yep. everyone knows about it, and because it's cats, I think really no one from an artistic or sort of uh, no no large vocal majority is coming up and being like, hey, this is bullshit. Yeah, like, and I think that's going to signal a lot of places to be like, oh, this is cool. And they might not even announce it. And, and for instance, Shahir, at some point, we might go, and I might get to see a film later than you, and the version might be different. Yeah, and then but, what the fuck, we, we you know, like, but that's going to be weird. But I think there's there's promise to that. Like, like the, the thing that I think about there is, uh, for example, um, Clue. You know, we talked about Knives Out a couple of weeks ago. Like, sure. I like, you know, like, the, what, is the, what is the narrative potential of this, uh, of the ability to change things this quickly? Um, but that's a plan. That's a plan for a narrative perspective. I'm talking about making minor tweaks to things, like, th- no, like no, but, from, but, but, from but, but, day but, one. Clue said that it was going to do that, but right? imagine because that, that's imagine narratively th- correct for the board game. Imagine this: there's such an uproar about Poe and Finn not, you know, not having a relationship 
that they decide to patch that into the film and then and for you know like the the, the audience speech. i don't think uh, you know and, and suddenly that becomes part of the film i don't but think that's you, but even then i don't like that like i don't like my mentality of changing a thing yeah no like, I'm, I'm just saying like you know, it's it, it's what is the potential for this you know like what is how can we use this in some way like to kind of change the experience if the Poe and Finn thing happened, it should have. I would would have wanted it to. I wanted it to have happened in the film. I don't want Disney to freak out because people are mad and then go change a thing. Like right. that's just that's never going to end with good stuff ever. You know, <laughs> like it's just it's weird, and I'm worried about it. I don't. I don't <laughs> like it. I don't like it. This is what I want to freak out existentially about. Not about the the look and the and the the essence of being of cats i want to be joyous about this weird cacophonous bullshit that we both just experienced so i want to do two things before we go out on this episode okay. uh one is as you suggested we should go through the musical numbers and say you know and just remind ourselves what they were um yep. and then the second thing is um i read a thread this morning from shalia evans uh on so her good book. Thoughts on cats, and uh, and I have kind of permission from her to read it out. So I'd love to like just go through someone who loves cats. Yep. Uh, what they're I wanted, feeling. We tried to get Shalia on this show. We tried to get her on this episode. Yeah, uh, and it couldn't. It couldn't happen. Shout out to Shalia Evans, uh, amazing actress uh, and comedian. You know, follow her uh, at Shalia Evans on Twitter. Also, she's in all of uh, our. She's in a bunch of episodes, but she's in our Phase One, Phase Two, and Phase Three thing. She was my Marvel um, partner in crime, and we went through all of them before the release of Avengers: Infinity War. So um, she will so, be our silent yeah. cats partners in crime. Yes, <laughs> for yes. This. So we'll go out with that. But li- run me through the songs, and I and I want to tell. I, I want to tell you first off that um, just from a like, oh, maybe this my my kid would like this kind of thing. I did put on <laughs> the Cats musical when I got home, and we have been walking around saying we are Jellicle Cats now. Um, oh yeah, but this, but my yeah. wife, my wife who saw the movie with me is terrified every time the album comes on and runs That's into so her room. Funny. <laughs> are you listening to the film soundtrack or the musical soundtrack? At this like stage, the, the theater. I I listen to the. F- to the musical soundtrack while walking one day, uh, mm-hmm. which was just a couple of days ago, and then we're at home. We listen to the film soundtrack. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, I, well, that's the thing for the music. Uh, Jamie called this out too. When I went and saw the musical, the songs did not stick in my head. Right. When I saw this, I've been singing uh, literally three or four of these consistently, like yeah. uh, the the magical Mister Mistopheles in, in particular. Yeah. Um, but anyway, okay. So the beginning of this, I'm just going to kind of go through because I want to talk more about the numbers themselves. But so there's kind of two songs in the beginning that kind of merge into one. Let's review this. The Jellicle song for Jellicle Cats and the naming of cats, which is kind of a company, uh, you know, song. Multiple people sing it. Did you find what out of 10, Shahir, uh, <laughs> one meow being the worst, 10 meows being the best. Uh, what, what would you give that sort of in the very beginning of this film before we get into like actual star power town? Uh, I think I'm a I think I'm a f- six on Jellicle Cats and maybe a four on the naming of cats. The yeah, problem with you, you the name actually stole that out of me too. That's exactly what I think. <laughs> okay, the problem with the naming of cats is that I was like hoping that would become a narrative device uh, later where we would learn the cats' actual names for each other yep. uh, that they would tell, but that that doesn't happen, right? Nope, it kind of drops off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to so be I was, I was like, oh, I like the idea of this, and I went and read the T.S. Eliot poem where, um, they, where he describes that, and it's literally that's word for word the poem. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the next one is the old Gumby Cat, Rebel Wilson's number. Did uh, not. I didn't would land g- for me at all. <laughs> I would give it like a three. 
Yeah. Uh, it, it, and the only reason I give it that high, to be honest, is the weirdness of it that hits sort of through it. And I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, are you around the same thing there? Probably around the same thing there, yeah. Okay. Next up, uh, uh, gosh, <laughs> the Rum Tum Tugger song. Rum Tum Tugger is... Derulo. I had real high hopes for this one. I, I was mm-hmm. really like... I, I was on... I was sitting down waiting for this to kind of hit and to be big and, and for the film to break out. And it doesn't really, but it's unfortunately also it's like the most the film actually does break out with one exception that I've already mentioned and then we'll, we'll yeah. get to later. Um, so I'll give this kind of like a solid, uh, again, a six for this one. Wow. I'm giving but that's, it that's a, high. Yeah. You know, yeah I that's I'm high. giving it a two. Ooh. Two wow. singular claws. Wow. Uh, it, it did not land for me at all. I okay. was shocked how much it didn't. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if it was the mix or if what I was seeing or the inner cutting of the shot. I don't know. It just did not. Okay. Um, next up is the entry of Grizabella. It's when we first see Jennifer Hudson, but there's sort of like a little bit of a song, but it's not like full memories. We kind of yeah. see memories like three times. <laughs> and and Francesca Haywood's character kind of sings part of this. Like, we'll have, at least you have your beautiful ghost kind of thing. Well, no, that's later. That's later. Yeah. Oh. So this happens sort of twice. Or maybe, you know what? Maybe in the film, they don't, maybe it's only the second thing. I might be jumping ahead. Yeah. Um, let's let's move on from that because we'll just vote, vote her at the end. So next up is Bustafer Jones, uh, James this, Gordon. Yeah, that's a that's a three for me. It, it just didn't yeah. it didn't work. I was like, again, yeah. I think it could work. Like I I like James Corden. I like his voice. He's like he does a he's the voice of the Gruffalo or the uh, he does the narrator in the Gruffalo, which is a you know fantastic adaptation. And so I was like, oh, I'm cool with this, but no, it doesn't work. Yeah, uh, I'm, I I agree with that. I have pretty much the same thing. Here's where it starts picking up for me. Okay. Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser. Yep. Uh, when they're going through the house and they're trying to steal stuff and then they ditch Victoria. Oh yeah, spoilers for cats. I don't we never said yep. that. Uh <laughs> <laughs> this one, I actually was all about this. I want to give this one like a, a real eight. Like eight, possibly nine. I just was in this mo it was so joyous and did the exact thing that like I love troublemakers doing in these sort of stories. Like everyone's having fun, everyone's having fun. Oh shit, ditch the new kid. Yeah, like yeah. it was just a <laughs> like relatable and fun little thing i had high hopes um uh no you know what the problem here for me was that i didn't understand what was happening um mm. and, it w- and it was starting to be around this point that i started realizing that this was a series of list songs as opposed to uh an actual narrative thing and i and i was trying to like figure out oh what's gonna happen to right. uh, victoria here or why does this matter uh and it was around here that i started realizing it didn't matter um, yep. I still I still agree that this was one of the most entertaining set pieces, uh, yeah. like, you know, around the house and the scale of the house kind of mattered. Um, so I, th- I thought I-, I would give this a kind of a five. You know? right. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got old Deuteronomy, uh, Judy Dench uh, showing up yeah. and uh, it. You know, just basically walking real slow as everyone sort of, as they should, fawns over her arrival. Uh, out of um, the mist, you know, like a like a um, like a villain in some way, um, uh-huh. because she is the center of this ritual sacrifice. Um, didn't uh, didn't make an impression. At yeah, all. I mean, I, I'm just gonna give it a five. I liked the I liked the her entry. I she her and uh, you know obviously Ian McKellen bring a weird gravitas to this. Yeah. <laughs> thing um so yeah so then i I, you know it kind of gets a little bit mashy up here uh this is where we get grizabella's sort of the glamour cat bit and then followed by uh your beautiful ghosts okay um i thought 
that I, I, I this was a tease for me. Grizabella's part was a tease for me, so I'm going to give it like a three. Yeah. Uh, until the the real big one. Yeah. Uh, and, but to tie it together with ghosts or or with the beautiful ghosts. Yeah. I got to say something. This is weird, and I know this is cat's uh, is a catastrophe. What I'm about to say. I thought that the uh, at least you have, but at least you have beautiful ghosts line when it first hit was the first time in this movie I had like an emotional pang. Right. I was like, I was like, oh my, you you just connected with a thematic thing of this musical better in a new song than any of the stuff in this musical has done to this point. Right. Um. <laughs> uh, but I also didn't know what it meant, like, because I didn't understand what was happening to. Yeah. Gr- gr- uh, was it Grizz? What's her name? Grizz. Grizzabella. <laughs> I was like uh, Grimaldi's. <laughs> What's the cat from? Uh, yeah. From the Smurfs. Uh, oh, gar- no. Uh, Gargamel, Gargamel is the villain. It's no, no. Gargamel. Gargamel's the man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Ezreal. Ezreal. I was thinking. Yeah, I was. I had like a mix of Gargamel and Ezreal. Right. Um, right. No, I. I like that, you know, like Jennifer Hudson gets to like belt out the big number. Um, and it was like, it's the only song from Cats that I actually know. Um, mm. So when it came on, I kind of was there. But I also, I again, didn't understand what had happened to her. And I was like, oh, is she like, is she uh, uh, an abused prostitute? Is that what this <laughs> is? Like, like I was, I, I didn't understand. Right. <laughs> all right, all right, fair, fair, fair. Uh, next up, we got the man, the myth, the legend, Asparagus, the theater cat. Um, I loved this. I, I like it's this. not really a song. It's kind yeah. of a song, but he's just like talking about performing. I, I give this a solid seven. Uh, yeah, I give this a, yeah, a cat. exactly seven. Yep. Uh, moving on. Then we get uh, Shimble Shanks, the railway cat, my least favorite of the musical. Um, ah. But here, I'll give it a solid. F- for because of the the shots I liked, like when they finally left and the tap dancing was interesting. I I like ta- seeing tap dancing. Um, you know, like uh, I miss Gregory Hines being on film. Um, okay, and so and so I I just like tap dancing, and I was like, oh cool. Uh, this is also maybe the point at which I was like, and you know, this is three quarters through the film where I was like, mm-hmm. okay, none of this matters. Uh, let's just see <laughs> if we can enjoy the the spectacle here. Uh, and I yeah, so I'd give this a seven. Okay, well, speaking of just enjoying, this is where the movie starts clicking for me, and it's too late to actually start <laughs> doing it, but it really did. Uh, yeah. McCavity's song uh, with, with Taylor Swift coming out with uh, Bumbalernia, I believe is the cat's name. Okay. Um, and, Dropping catnip uh, everywhere. Yeah, catnip and everybody. I, I give this a, a real solid 10. This was the pinnacle for me. Uh, even when Idris Alba ditched his cool suit and was just like Slick Panther and like a little bit like, whoa, all right, let's roll. <laughs> With yeah. this. <laughs> I uh I I really did dig the shit out of this uh this moment in particular. Um I'm gonna go five, like real middle of the road. Oh. Didn't didn't land for me, but you know. Uh I, I, uh I like I like Taylor Swift a lot, but again it was it was just so it unimpressionable. Okay, fair. I mean, look, this is the great thing about this movie, Cats, everybody. This is what you should take away from this entire podcast. There's no wrong read as long as you're reading it. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's the weird thing about this like so sorry i want to go through these i know this is getting long in the tooth no pun intended again next up we have the mr mistopheles now i love what they did with this character narratively in the in the thing uh he's not actually shalia talks about it in her tweet we'll wait to sort of talk about it in that thing but uh i i loved what they did like narratively to try to give it a little bit more oomph uh i thought the song itself fell super flat i'm going to give it a four 
Huh. This was the one for me where, again, it was just sort of more of a cohesion between narrative. You know, like they were trying to do something through the song. Mm-hmm. Um, so when uh, I, there was never a cat, cle- a, a cat as clever as he, Mr. Mustafa. Uh, I, I like and the fact that they had to sort of chorus line it out. No surprise, yeah. of course, that, you know, like Deuteronomy appears. But, sure. uh, but you know, I liked, I like this on. And this is going to be an eight for me. Okay, cool. Yeah. Then we get to the big one. We get Grizabella, Jennifer Hudson, Memories, 10, done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, um, it's a big performance. Yeah. Uh, and then it sort of kind of mashes all together. There's the final addressing of cats in the finale. I do have Oof. to give this a solid two, yeah. uh, maybe even a one. It's it, and I, I only because I'm so angry that you like this is the one that I can I know me personally, Matthew Kroll, I could fix. Right. Like <laughs> the rest That's of this, true. I couldn't. That's true. But this one, like, shame on you, filmmakers. Yeah. <laughs> this should have been just a very easy hit home. Uh, and it was not. I love uh, again my wife's reaction to this one, which was that this was a horror movie for her at this point, <laughs> like because she does not like cats, and this was like just she was like vampires are basically saying why they're awesome and why we should respect them, and I'm not into it. <laughs> That's like, amazing. I, I love like, it so much. Yeah. Okay, so we've just reviewed all of the songs from the film Cats. Um, do you want to take us out here with uh, Shalia's? thing before we wrap this up yeah yeah i just want to re- she did a basically a whole huge series i'm going to try and go through these quickly there's quite a lot of notes here but this the reason why i like this is this is someone who likes cats the musical is a musical theater person yes um so i'm gonna just take it out with shalia evans uh tweets uh tweet uh you can find her on twitter at shalia evans that's s-h-a-l-y-a-h e-v-a-n-s so thanks uh, to her for letting us read these uh i recently said that Indeed. i assumed cats would be cats and I believe she means Cats the Movie would be Cats the Musical. It was not. In the following thread, I will list the way Cats is not Cats. Uh, I don't mind digital fur. I do mind human toes and visible toenails. If a, cat's need, if a cat needs tap shoes, then just let them wear jazz shoes and the rest of the time. No human toes in Cats. The naming of Cats is a long-ass song that tells you more than you would ever want to know about cat names, firmly establishing that cats are finicky and ridiculous. Making it shorter makes it less silly and therefore much worse and pointless. So I'm guessing <laughs> it was longer in the... In the it was. In, it, it was. was. It, it was. Uh, never before has it been in any way implied that Jenny Any Dots eats her pupils. This is she is a philanthropist, and this is slander. I don't know what that's referring to. <laughs> she eats the she trains the um, oh. the mice and the cockroaches oh, to sing right. and dance, oh, okay. and then she just eats them. That was the Ribble Wilson character. Oof. Yes. Okay. This movie is dripping with gratuitous sexual energy in every song, except. The Rum Tum Tugger, which is traditionally is. the only sexy thing about cats. More kittens meow is needed. A cat should pass out. Uh, in the show Cats, you can hear so much music that you can't think, then singing and zero breathing. The movie is the opposite in the lift, uh, and you are left with your thoughts. I think that's alluding to the point that you made earlier about the mix, yep. the sound mix. Yep. Everyone is singing so quietly. Why? Cats is a spectacle, and it should be loud. Be cats. Buster for Jones is a respected society cat and would never stand for the trash diving behavior or rude treatment. He invited, he's invited to fancy places and given treats because he is a gentleman and humans respect that. I mean, mm-hmm. One thing is here, there was no, there's no humans in the show, right? No, no. Like you see like searchlights and things yeah. sometimes, uh, but no, there's no humans in the show. McCavity is only trying to fuck up the party. He doesn't care if he goes to the heavy side lair. Think of him as Maleficent. He's mad that he's not invited even though he didn't want to come. Uh, that sounds like a cat to me in general, like when you're trying yeah. to let them out in the morning. Uh, yep. That maybe makes a little bit more sense. I thought he wanted to go to the heavy side lair in the film, though. Um, he did. 
Mango, Mungo Jerry and Rumpelteaser sang the wrong song. Did anyone watch Cats before this is made? Is that yep. true? Did they they sing a different I, song? I don't remember, to be honest. I, I'm going to trust Shalia on this one. I <laughs> thought that was their song. Yeah. Um, but I think they're also supposed to be in another one. I don't know. Whatever. Growl Tiger. Uh, I, I, I have to see to that. Okay. Growl Tiger was going to be hard to do because of all those Siamese cats, and I would have understood him being gone completely, like in the tours, where they don't have the budget for the set change. But don't drag him out as a contemporary hooligan working under McCavity. He's a pirate. Is that true? <laughs> I mean, Growl Tiger is his own thing. Yeah, Growl Tiger is his own thing. Growl Tiger has songs uh, in the other one. Like, oh. is Growl Tiger's Last Stand Part 1 and Growl Tiger's Last Stand Part 2. Oh, I, I, Ray Winstone doing, like, his own numbers. I was, I was like, kind of horrified that he was in this, but I was like, oh, well, go you, Ray Winston. Right, right, right. Uh, dear God, the digital fur hides the tear trails on Grizabella's face and makes her into a booger monster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The new song completely, uh, and I guess this is the Taylor Swift song. This yep. new song completely negates the suffering of Grizabella, suggesting that she doesn't have a right to be sad because she at least she has nice memories. Uh, a lot of people do this when someone suffers from depression, and it is so toxic that I'm actually horrified. The sentiment is in is in that, cats. That's an interesting take. I do have to go back and read the the, the song lyrics because I was just taken with the with the with the line of it like the 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 line of at least you have beautiful or you have beautiful ghosts is what for whatever reason hit me very strongly okay i will go back and read it because that's i i normally i trust julia on these matters and i will have to do further further research okay the big dance number in the middle of the show is usually the best part my mom turned to me and said isn't this usually the best part it was not (laughs) the best part (laughs) all all right when she's in her little cat bed, Judy Dench is pretty cute. This is a yes. relief as a viewer who desperately wants to have fun, but not really cats. There's a moment where Judy Dench uh, uh, lifts, raises her legs, kind of splaying her, and I and I was mortified by that. All right, <laughs> cats uh, just being cats. Ian McKellen was perfect. No notes. This is the only part of Cats that is cats. Uh, yep. Shanks tap dancing was the only change that made any sense. If you're going to make it different, it should add something. And this added a fun dance number and rhythm that worked well. Unfortunately, they didn't build a train out of trash. No cats, not cats. <laughs> <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Uh, only a couple more of these. Oh, actually, there's quite a few of these to go. I'm going to try and get through these really quickly. <laughs> Keep no, going. We got I love, the, going I love so these. Long. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> easily the saddest casualty of cats is Mr. Mistopheles. In cats, he is a cocky, magical gay icon. In cats, he is a friend zone straight cat who absolutely is going to Milady Victoria. By making him unsure of himself, the most exciting number of the show is taken away. Not cats. See, I liked the change. I still think it's not a good song that they do. I like it narratively still. I'll stand by that. It gave him it made him feel a little bit different and have a bit more of a narrative point. Okay. Um but anyway. <laughs> I, I don't know the original reference, so I'm curious about that. Curious like a cat. McCavity yeah. is usually sung by two cats, not one cat. It's usually also good. Definitely not cats. Now, <laughs> was this sung by both uh Taylor Swift and Idris Elba? Idris Elba, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, Shalia, come on, step up. Uh, cats <laughs> oh, doesn't have a plot, but for some reason, Cats, the movie, tries to have a plot. Bad move. How big are these cats? The scale of Cats is consistent because the set and actors don't change. The scale is, of Cats is a mess. My wife actually noted this as well. She was like, these cats aren't the, aren't the right size. Right. 
Uh, at least the movie ends with a bunch of cats definitely murdering another cat. This part would be cats, except that they should be ritually sacrificing a cat with a magic tire, not a chandelier attached to a balloon. Unfortunately, this is not cats. In the final death... There's only a couple more to go here. In the final death blow, the cats keep talking after they sing the finale. Not only is this not cats, but this is not the musical. Sadly, cats is not cats. Thank you for your time. Cats, now and forever. Uh, yeah. And when she follows with a postscript, um, I just realized that they never threw a giant boot at the cats. Cats is absolutely not cats. And I'd like to suggest that we call this movie Not Cats from now on. Wow. Uh, well, at least they didn't CGI a digital boot back into the week later patch. Oh, that would have been cool. Just like randomly, it just pops up in the corner of the room. Yeah. L- little yeah. tidbit. Uh, yeah, no, I've, uh, I I'm, uh, was not on for cats, but I'm optimistic that cats might find a home. It's like the, it's I, like the, it's like the outdoor cat that like wanders through the streets hoping to find food. You hope you maybe you don't take it in, but one day you're like, I hope someone does. Yeah, I mean, this maybe we could we could all be a little bit kinder to cats so that other people try weird stuff. Well, not even I won't even say people. I'll say other big companies try weird stuff. Yeah, uh, because that'd be nice. Anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening to near two hours of us talking about the film Cats. This being the only podcast about the film Cats. Uh, Shahir, when you. When you are not there, where can folks find you? <laughs> I always have an alibi, and you can find it at my website, www.shahirdowd.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are not drowning in catnip, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me just <laughs> rolling on the floor in a completely non-sexual but totally sexual nature at M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, Pierre Easy on Instagram or Emperor MSK on Twitter. Uh, we're going to be back next week, Shahir, I believe, with finally uh, Marriage Story. That's right. You and I are finally getting the divorce that we've always wanted. We're doing it live, <laughs> re- li- recorded live. But we have a special uh, for guest for that you. episode. We Just, do. Jesse Jollies is joining us, and it's been a long time coming. If you can hear her back on our previous, uh, I believe, Ghostbusters episode yep. with Gerard Milligan. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're really happy to have her coming back, uh, and she's a fantastic performing comedian. Check her out on. Oh, I didn't say this joke. We look giving up the ghost here right now. We recorded the marriage story episode earlier, but I, I just remembered this thing that happened to me, and I want to go out with this. Um, uh, just Jollies works for a website called Bitches, uh, which is kind of a... Betches. Yeah, Bitches. And I was like, Betches? Bitches? Betches. Betches? Betches. Betches. E, like an E, Betches. Betches, Betches, right? And I just, I remembered like the other day that this happened to me. When I was going to Italy, uh, right before I was going to Italy... I got a haircut at a barbershop uh, in New York City, and it was like my first or second year in New York City. I said to the barber, uh, I'm really looking forward to the beaches in Italy. And the barber stopped what he was doing, and he looked at me and said, with this haircut, forget about it. The beaches will love you. <laughs> and I wanted wow. to do that on the Marriage Story episode, but I completely forgot about it. So, Well, uh, now it's here for, for more it's... quality content like that. Too. It actually is a very good episode. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. I was sad we had to wait so long to, to release it. Uh, but we are back in the studio for that, so no more uh, odd sounds. Thank you so much for sticking with us through this uh, recording um, You know, all across the, the country. Um, and happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays continually. Have a great uh, new year. And um, yeah... Um, Oh, how there's never been a film like 
any of the stuff that we all witnessed while watching cats. Cheer, take it. Meow. All right, it checks out. Meow.